everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This past week's episode was a repeat that we have already covered. So we picked a repeat that we haven't covered. Actually, we did sort of cover it, but we never released it or we released it and it was taken down for some reason. It's never been released. No, it's never been released. It is one of the missing episodes, the long lost episodes. Wow, this is crazy. So we are re-recording. I don't remember what I said back then. I was a different person. Do you remember? I was interested because this is 2018. So this would have been our first year of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I remember the case. Yeah. How much of the case did you remember? Not that much. I remembered very specific things about this. And I'm wondering if we remembered a few of the same things. I remembered the bump it. Me too. There we go. That's the only thing I was talking about. (laughs) But I think I remembered the bump it because the girl that I talked about a lot on the podcast having a bump it, her name was Cammy. Cammy with a bump it. Because I'll never forget Cammy with a bump it. Right. And this girl's name is Amanda. So it is not the bump it of with of which we are both thinking. Were these close in time to each other? I feel like Cammy with a bump it is within six months of Amanda with the bump it. Yeah, she was early on in the podcast for sure. Okay, great. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what a bump it is, give it a bang. Okay. It's a great piece of fashion. It's a mystery. Yeah. I will just keep it a mystery. I like it. This episode is called A Crack in Everything, and it is on Peacock, season 26, episode 18. It aired on March 30th, 2018, hosted by Keith, our Keith Miss King. Father Keith Miss. Father Keith Miss. <laughs> Did it. The title is from a Leonard Cohen song, but let's just agree that crack is also a very funny word. Can we agree on that? But you can't make any jokes about it really in this episode. Like in other episodes, I can think how we'd make more references to it. Well, there go all my titles. I think because it's kind of a Christmassy song. Is it? I don't know. When I gave it a bing. Yeah. Some people were saying it's kind of a Christmas song. Is it? I don't know. Did you read the lyrics? No, I didn't. Something about the light. That's how the light gets in. Yeah, that makes sense. Is There's a crack in everything. Did you hear that from one person or multiple people? Just curious. Just Mr. Bing. Oh, Mr. Bing. Okay. Yeah. Not to be confused with Mr. Big, who I believe he's saying, I'm the one who wants to be with you. Oh. That's that's the song, Mr. Big. I thought you were talking about the one from Sex and the City, the character, but also was accused of sexual harassment in the very same uh, week. Oh, oh my. So it's, he had a big week. No pun intended. Oh, ring the bells that can still ring. Forget your perfect offering. I see Holy Dove. Okay, so it is a Christmas song. I see things that could invoke Christmas in these lyrics. Did it. Okay. There we go. So Keith says it was his secret that started it. A secret gift. Okay. Mm. What a gift. Mm. It's a pricey gift. We'll get to it. It was Christmas Eve, 2006. Six. Okay. I wrote 16 and I knew that wasn't right. Near Buffalo, Missouri, which is a tiny town, has 3,000 people in it. Brad and Lisa Jennings lived on a farm. And 
Keith opens up the episode with this extremely twisted version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. He says, the stockings were hung, the children are nestled all snug in their beds, and mom is drinking wine and crying. Yeah. Twas the night before Christmas in America. It is also just so many people's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Just (laughs) so many people's. It's hashtag relatable content is what that is. Also just a Tuesday. But yes, Christmas Eve probably as well. Definitely on the holidays. For sure. Mom with the giant thing of wine crying. Yeah. (laughs) So... Apparently, Brad couldn't sneak the present into her stocking, more on the present later, and they started screaming at each other over it. It's a very strange fight. Daughter Amanda, with a bump it, woke up to her dad calling 911. And now we rewind. Rewind. Brad and his sister, Marsha, older sister, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. We have not met a bad Marsha yet, and I don't know if we will. Yeah, I like this, Marsha. Me too. They played together as kids hunting mushrooms. No, thank you. Don't like that. That's the other thing I remembered. You did? I did not remember that. I remembered because of the phrasing. Hunting mushrooms. And I remember you. we had a conversation about it. Oh, really? Because hunting mushrooms was an odd... Hunting mushrooms, unfortunately, makes it sound like the mushrooms are moving. Are alive. Like you have to aim at them. Which is your worst nightmare. Which is my worst nightmare. That a mushroom has come to life and you have to chase it with a weapon. It's not a great visual for Kimberly on this. Welcome to my nightmares every night. Happy holidays. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm wondering why she said hunting. We still don't know. We'll never know. I think that might be an expression. No, I think you forage for mushrooms. Right, you forage. Or pick, pluck. Mm, Unsure. I'm about to hear from a lot of mushroom enthusiasts, and I will say kindly, block. <laughs> I never use the block button. Never, ever use the block button. I don't think I've blocked a single person, but I will. But you will on this. Yeah. I will. Hunting is an odd. I've never heard it used for something that's not alive. Yeah. So Marsha became a nurse. Brad ran the family farm. It's been in the family since 1853. Wow. And Brad and Lisa were married for 18 mostly happy years, which reminds me of my dad's favorite joke, which is when he tells people that he and my mom have been married for 19 good years, 43 years altogether. Wow. It's his favorite joke. That's why your mom drinks wine. (laughs) That's them's words. No, she's crying on Christmas Eve because it's not our holiday. Why isn't it our holiday? You guys, yeah. Why was Hanukkah in November this year? Yeah, that was weird. And we had to have presents picked out before everyone else. Well, maybe some deals, but it wasn't even like fair that you could get Black Friday. You couldn't even hit it. No, I think it was even before then. Yeah. You were during it. You were on it. It's not right. That was not right. Quick question. Was the fight that Keith tells us about, did he really say it was about the present? Yes. I completely missed that. Because he couldn't sneak it into her stocking and she was playing. Well, we'll get to it. She was like playing on the computer. Thank you. Okay, let's. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to jump ahead. I just had completely missed that Keith had said that. So interesting. They had three kids. Amanda was 16. Dallas was 11. Lacey was 19 and she had moved into her own place. She is Lisa's daughter from a previous marriage. 
They were a happy family. Brad made good money. He loved cars, working on motors. He opened a used car dealership. Lisa was the life of the party. Mark it off your bingo cards. We got it just straight, no even paraphrasing. Life of the party. She worked at a local internet company. I don't know what that is. Verizon, Fios, AT&T. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, where you go to get the cable boxes, the modems, you pick it up. Okay. That's the that's where she worked. That sounds like a hard job. People are always angry at you. So angry. No one's happy. No one's coming in because they're happy. They're coming in because they're mad. Or they're trying to return a dusty old box because they've moved and now they have to return it. And it's covered in dust because you never wipe them down and you're supposed to. But also people that work there don't care that it's dusty because no. they do not care about their jobs because they've been yelled at 45 times that day. So if you're just dropping off a dusty box and that's all they're doing, you're their best customer of the day. <laughs> that's it. You won. Are you going to mention the Chevelle Super Sport? Yeah. So explain. I have car blindness. I can't. I don't know what it is. It's a Chevelle, which is a kind of car. Yeah. And it was his prized possession. Well, it has an SS on the front. I've heard of Chevelle. I don't know if we've come across them before. I don't know. It it seems like a super rare car. I've never seen anything with an SS on the front ever in my life. Yeah, I don't know. A Chevelle sounds like something my cool single cousin would drive. Kind of, or like something that you'd want in the 60s. Like he drives a Chevelle. Yeah. Right? Sounds really cool. And he has like cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds really cool. So she liked playing video games with Dallas, the 11-year-old. That's cute. But as Leonard Cohen used to say, there's a crack in everything. They were a happy family, except the huge fights that the parents would have every couple weeks when the moon went dark. So nighttime? Key? What are you saying? Witches? When the witches flew in? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means when the moon went dark. I guess the moon goes dark when there's like a lunar eclipse, a new moon. I don't understand astrology. Is he doing something about the cycles of the moon? It must be the cycles. Okay, that's fine. Like a crescent. The new moon. There's no moon, isn't it? When there's the new moon? The new moon is there's no moon. Oh, sorry. I'm going to stop asking you because I didn't. We need a sign for when you don't know. You need to hold up like your arms (laughs) in an X over your face. Don't ask me questions because I'm going to not know. I don't know things about the moon. Or you need to learn how to lie, like Calvin and Hobbes' dad. When he just, when Calvin would ask him questions he didn't know, he would just make up something elaborate, really elaborate. Yeah, exactly. So apparently, Brad and Lisa would fight all the time at night after they would drink. They would fight, they would scream, they would slam doors every few weeks. It sounds super functional. No judgment. So this Christmas Eve in 2006, they played Monopoly and had a very happy holiday night. Brad had bought Lisa, here we're getting to the present now, a $3,500 diamond ring. Wow. What did he do? Is that a normal gift for Christmas? He had had a really good year maybe selling cars. Is it possible that maybe he'd had a good year with that? Maybe the farm had done well that year. Maybe it was also... Maybe it was the year that he had bought himself a new car and he felt like, I can't get myself this really nice thing and not get something really nice for my wife. I feel like the motive was pure, but I don't know that. Was the motive maybe because they had been fighting so much? Yeah. And he wanted to smooth things over. 
Yes, because nothing smooths things over like expensive jewelry. The thing about the $3,500 ring is it's not a present per se. It's going in her stocking. It's like a stocking stuffer. Aren't they supposed to be like socks? Candy. Yeah, that you open in the morning. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be. But also, maybe there was just like sweaters and scarves under the tree. And so she wouldn't be expecting it in the stocking. It's actually kind of clever. It's like when someone does the big box and they put the little teeny tiny box inside. It's, you know, you're fooling someone. So no one would expect a box of really expensive jewelry in the stocking. It's good. My dad would do a big box and then a little box inside of it and then a little box inside that. And then there was a dead spider inside of it. Yes. He did that for you? Yeah. He did? When did he do that for you? For Hanukkah, several times. It never gets old. It's always old. It's really funny, actually. He did a dead spider? Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) So... Lisa wouldn't stop playing on her computer. And I guess it was driving him crazy because he really wanted to sneak it into her stocking. I don't know why he couldn't have done like a sneaky. Was she sitting right by the stockings? Or I feel like he could have done one of those casual, just drop it in. Just like walk, just lean, pretend to yawn and lean up against the mantle and then just drop it in. We don't know. Or maybe she was one of those people that are like, what are you doing? Why are you hovering? If someone's in the same room as you, you know, you know, we don't know. It does seem a weird thing to fight about, though. The fact that he's trying to sneak something into the stocking and, and they're getting in a fight about it is I feel like this is misinformed. I feel like the fight is much more to do with her being on the computer on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So a door slammed and that whenever a door slammed, it meant that Brad had gone out to his workshop to try to cool down. Their older daughter, Lacey, 19, she was home for Christmas and she got mad that the parents were fighting on Christmas Eve. So we are at this point noticing we're not meeting Lacey. We are just seeing one photo of her and it's very grainy and you can't tell what the whole photo is at this point. You're just seeing the close up with her in it. It's not a particularly good photo. She's not smiling in it. She looks very unhappy. She looks like she's in the middle of yelling, not only not smiling, but in the middle of shouting either something upset or like, come on. Right. We don't have time for pictures. It's an exasperated pose and face. And since she has chosen to not be on Dateline, we can assume at this point, whoever gave them that photo. Is mad at Lacey. They made a choice. There were other photos to choose from. I'm sure there were. Oh, yes, because we get a lot of pictures of Lisa. Yeah. So she started yelling at them. Why can't they get along? She's yelling at the mom. Why can't you guys get along on Christmas Eve? Why did you have to start a fight? And then something like the mom, Lisa, yelled back, I would never be that disrespectful to my parents. This is what Amanda is hearing happening from upstairs. And so Lacey and the mom are screaming at each other and Lacey leaves to go back to her apartment, slamming the door way out. I am so glad they live on a farm and have no close neighbors because that slamming, I have trauma from when the people above me were on, what were they on? E? Let's say E. Let's say that. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. And just made so many noises sensual noises, fighting noises, furniture moving noises, slamming noises. And it was just 
that those floors were not cushioned. There was just no way to get around it. Yeah, that was rough. And they played trance music all night long. All night long. All night. Yep. I would rather they played that song. Sorry. I know that would be good. So Amanda goes back to sleep at this point. At 1.30, she's woken up to her dad screaming and calling 911 hysterically. Amanda goes to the bedroom and she finds her mom on the floor dead, killed from a bullet to the head. And her dad, Brad, is kneeling next to her leaning. Now, Brad tells the police that he went out to his workshop to cool down. He came back in and he found Lisa that way. So now we have one of our biggest tropes on Cold Justice, the show, is was this a suicide or not? Where they pull out the red string and they do the trajectory. I see. But we don't get very much of that in this one. No one heard a gunshot in the house? Yeah, it's very interesting, but no. Good question. Lisa's right hand tested positive for gunshot residue. Brad's tested negative. Right. And they tested Lacey, the daughter that stormed off, and she also tested negative. So they feel like it must be suicide. Yeah, she's right-handed. The right hand tested positive. Right hand was holding the gun. There we go. There we go. Done case. Now, Brad's sister, Marsha, says she didn't think that Lisa would kill herself, but now this made me not want to like Marsha, this line of thinking, but I feel like she's just talking. And it was a little concerning. She says she was troubled about reaching 40 and had cosmetic surgery. That could be a red flag. So I want to give Marsha the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we're going to do that. That she doesn't actually believe that a woman who is turning a mom of three would kill herself because she was turning 40 or that having plastic surgery would make you want to, it would make you feel better about yourself. Yeah, I would think that the cosmetic surgery is a flag for something else, but not suicide. Yeah. I would think it's the opposite of a flag for suicide. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Or just she wanted to do something to spruce herself up. But I'm not loving all the shaming around the number 40. Like when Keith in another episode said 40 was barreling down on her like a Chinese bullet train. Why are we bringing it up? Keith, we still remember and it still hurts that you said that. Why are we pointing at it? Stop bringing it up. I can never forget. Well, then that's your own mind. Stop sharing it with the rest of us. I keep reopening the scar and then it heals over and then I reopen it again. Oh my gosh. Stop picking the scab. Bottom line is there are things that you can do to make yourself feel better about turning 40. If you are feeling bad about it, not that you should. All ages are beautiful. There certainly are. And some of them are as easy as checking out a great cosmetics company. Thrive Cosmetics make high-performance, vegan, 100% cruelty-free products without the use of paraben or sulfates. They're Leaping Bunny and PETA certified, and they have a bigger-than-beauty mission, which means that beauty is bigger than being just skin deep. Although the stuff that they have for your skin is really, really, really good. Thrive Cosmetics helps donate to women to help them thrive. Whether that be emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more, Thrive Cosmetics has a cause. Oh, I love it. 
Thrive Cosmetics also causes your lashes to look amazing if you use their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara, which is my mom's number one all-time favorite mascara. It is their best-selling mascara. It mimics the look of lash extensions without the damaging part of actually getting lash extensions, which can be really not great for your eyelashes. It has more than 15,000 five-star reviews. And it's the winner of Allure's Best of Beauty 2020 Award. Do I need to say any more? If you have not tried the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara by now, what are you waiting for? Go try it. And while you're there, pick up the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It is a fantastic compliment to it. It's a cream to powder highlighter slash eyeshadow stick that really brightens and opens your eye, giving you like an instant eye lift. It's an incredible product, but you can also work on your eyes at nighttime too. See, it's all about the eyes in 2022. Try their Defying Gravity Eye Lifting Cream. It is a holy grail eye cream. It instantly lifts, tightens, and brightens the look of the skin around your eyes while giving you that line-smoothing hydration. I've been using it for a while now. I've noticed a difference, which is rare for me in eye creams. I highly recommend it. Try the Defying Gravity. Just get all three. Get the trio that I just mentioned. And like I said, Thrive Cosmetics' Bigger Than Beauty mission for every product purchase, their commitment to support nonprofit partners with a donation of funds or products is truly unique and inspiring. Let's get inspired in this new year. This is a beauty brand that goes way beyond being just skin deep. We love Thrive Cosmetics. Their products are some of the best I've ever used. And their Bigger Than Beauty mission is just so incredible. You're going to love them as much as we do. So visit thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E, see what they did, <laughs> M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order, thrivecosmetics.com slash date, dateline. It's almost 2022. Isn't it time you started to thrive? Oh, I thought that was going to rhyme. I thought it was going to be like, it's almost 2022. Isn't it time to thrive, comma, you? I like that better. Did it. Nailed it. She did it, folks. It's done. <laughs> You don't have to pretend. I know it wasn't good. I liked it. Thank you, Thrive. I know it was clunky. It was clunky. It wasn't my best. It was like a haiku, which is something we haven't tried. So I'm into it. I'm going for a more artsy feel. I'm into poetry that's pointing to the fact that it's poetry. Okay. It's pointing at it. I like it. It's obvious poetry. Thank you, Thrive. Okay, this part. Okay, I got to talk about Paul for a second. Okay, there's this dude named Paul. He's not a dude. He's a gentleman. He's all right. He's a gentleman. He is wearing brown camo in a shiny jacket form, but it's I liked Paul a lot. I don't understand who he is, and it took me almost at the end of the episode. First, they're saying right now, they're saying he's Brad and Lisa's brother-in-law. Which is frustrating because they're married. So it's one of theirs. Yeah. It's extremely frustrating because they're married. I understand you like inherit the in-laws from the other. It's still, that doesn't give me any information. So for then, I started thinking he was married to Brad's sister, Marsha. Okay. Are you with me so far? I'm with you. Okay. But then we also meet Lisa's sister later. or We hear about Lisa's sister. 
So then I thought he might be married to her. But you don't know which side he's on, Brad and Lisa's brother-in-law. And then it gets much more convoluted later on. When do they tell us at about, I would say, over halfway into the episode? Way later, yeah. They tell us who he is. They tell us specifically who he is. Maybe three quarters in. Three quarters. They could have just used that sentence that they used three quarters in right here, and then we would have got it. Yeah. And I don't like this Brad and Lisa's brother-in-law. He's It's one or the other, unless they are related. No. Are we going to tell people who he is right now, or are we going to wait? No, we're going to save it. They can be as confused as I was. Oh, boy. He's a brother-in-law. That's all you need to know. And he's wearing a shiny camo shirt. Yeah. So he says that Lisa loved family events. She was super fun going. She loved having all the kids around. She would invite the kids to have slumber parties with their friends. She sounded really fun. So he is surprised by the suicide as well. The death is officially ruled a suicide. The local paper, the Buffalo Reflex, which that was kind of funny. I have acid reflux, which reminded me of reflex. No, I, it's weird. It sounds like Buffalo throw up. even though it's a reflex, but still like a reflex is not usually a good thing. You don't usually have a reflex. I guess you could have a reflex to hug someone, but usually you either have a gagging reflex or someone hits your knee at the doctor's office and then your leg kicks out and that's a reflex. Okay. So just what was wrong with the Buffalo Gazette? Right. That's my question. Okay. So the local paper, the Buffalo Reflex, quoted the prosecutor saying there is zero evidence to show that it was anything but a suicide. So they're calling it a suicide. None of the family members suspect any different because that's what they were told. Then we meet Dale Potter, who is such a character and should have his own show. I love the gun shop owners on this show. I have to say. Do you always? I feel like this is maybe the first time there's been others. I feel like they always have super bushy facial hair. Yeah, it's part of the job. And just talk really off the cuff and just they have these sayings that I don't know where they get them from and they just say whatever they're thinking. And I like it. I would say most of them have seen some stuff. Exactly. And they've also just, they have a lot of protection. So they feel like you're going to step to me. Yeah, exactly. You're not because he has a wall of guns behind him. So Dale... It looks like a guy who owns a gun and pawn shop and he's standing in front of a giant rack of guns and he has the crazy beard. And he owns a gun and pawn shop. He owns the only gun and pawn shop in town. So he is best friends with Brad and Brad came to him and said he wanted to get rid of the gun that Lisa had killed herself with because obviously bad memories. And so Dale took it and put it in the safe and forgot about it. More on that later. The family is trying to move on, except for Lacey. Lacey, of whom we only see one grainy photo in which she is extremely unhappy. Also, okay, so now at this point, we see a widening out of that close-up shot. And so the widening out of the close-up shot is no better. It's not. It's worse. It really puts it into context. So on one side, you have a very smiley Amanda, her sister Amanda, smiling bubbly. On the other side, you have dad Brad grinning, holding 
a very young Dallas, the little brother, also smiling. They're all smiling. And then in the middle of the photo and way back, several feet back from everybody, symbolically detached from the rest of the group and the only one not smiling. It's very foreshadowing of a photo to have chosen. It's very symbolic. Is Lacey in the back? I think the picture was just 100% picked on purpose by Marsha. Let me be very clear. Oh, you think it was by Marsha and not Amanda? Yes. For some reason, I kind of thought it was Amanda. No, I think it was Marsha. Marsha, Brad's sister. Okay. Yes, because she's our main interview. We get her more than Amanda, which makes me think that, you know, Amanda's doing stuff. She's young. I guess. So I think Marsha was leading the charge on a lot of this stuff. So she's the one that contacted Dayline. Yeah, no, she did. She dedicated her life to this. But the funny thing about this photo is it's not a picture that you would save, let alone submit as the singular photo to Dateline of one of your siblings. Unless you saved it as a joke, look how cranky Lacey was in that photo. We have some photos of our family when my brother was younger and was going through his refusing to smile on camera phase. And he looks like a serial killer. And we have some of those and we laugh at them and we point. We show them to his girlfriend. So unless you have it in that context, other than that, I would think you wouldn't save it. Anyways, enough about the photo. So she has started saying odd things like, you know, when mom was murdered and Keith goes murdered, but I wish he had gone murdered. She's not going to do that. And I just wish. Not even at Christmas. Keith mess. No. Excuse me. Pardon me. So The odd thing about Lacey dropping this was that she was still totally hanging around Brad, who is, remember, her stepfather. She's not acting any differently. She's still hanging around the family. She's just basically talking about how the mom was murdered. Are you sure she's hanging around Brad or is she hanging around her siblings? No, they said hanging around our dad, acting totally normally to him. He would still help her out with things, she said. If she needed help, I don't know, assembling a desk or something, he would help. I think the kind of help that she needed is like the better help kind, because if she's saying that, it's because she's not able to come to grips just really, especially at 18 or 19 years old, you know. I don't know. She seems to really think it. And she's not the only one. But people really can make themselves believe something. So it's unfortunate. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. You can. Absolutely. So people around town are starting to talk. Markoff small town gossip mill. Oh, yeah. And Keith says, the smaller your town, the less you know about what your neighbors are saying behind your back. Steve Pokin is a local reporter who writes a column called Pokin Around. Good for him. (laughs) Good for Steve Pokin. You take that last name and you make that work for you. I loved it. I love it. I'm all about it. I love it. And I think that's one of the things I remember from this episode, poking around. Poking around is great. I think it's funny. So he's local reporter. He's discovered that Lisa's sister, Sean, who we are also only seeing a photo of, and more on that photo later, has been complaining to police that it was a murder, that her sister never would kill herself. So now you have two people You have daughter Lisa and you have sister Sean, and they're both on team murder. An investigator named Dan Nash is contacted by Sean, and he's very intrigued when he hears about this. Dan Nash, which is such a name for an investigator. 
He did not look the way I needed him to look for his name to be Dan Nash. I needed him to be Sandy Brown Hair. I agree. I, there's like a look that he needs to have that he doesn't have. So it kept throwing me off. Okay. I only was thinking of Nash Bridges. Maybe I was thinking he needed to look a little bit more like Don Johnson. So there's only one small drop of blood on Lisa's right hand. And in Dan Nash's opinion, if she had shot herself at close range, it would have been covered with blood instead of just having one drop. So he goes to the farm and he asks for Brad's bathrobe from that night. And Keith says to the reporter, he says, well, it's been three months. Surely the bathrobe has been cleaned by now. And Steve poking around says, no, it hadn't been cleaned. And Keith says, oh, and you see his face come to the realization that normal peons, non-Harvard men are kind of gross and don't wash their bathrobes very often. No, I think it was more like he threw the bathrobe in a room and Nair again put it on. I don't think he was walking around the house in the bloody bathrobe. Yes. Well, that is what poking around explains to Keith. Oh, he does? Okay, yeah. He says, well, Brad says he wasn't really spending much time in that bedroom anymore because of what it reminded him of. So he just left the bloody bathrobe. Also, Keith, you know better. You know that he's not wearing the bathrobe around. Peon or not, he's not wandering around in the bathrobe, right? I gotta say, I'm hearing bathrobe my wife killed herself. I was wearing the bathrobe. I would either throw it away or wash it in the hottest water ever. But maybe some people save it as a memory or something. Like they want her DNA. Under no circumstances would you wash it and wear it again. No, he's not doing that. But I would see, especially if it was the last thing he was wearing around her. It's only three months ago. Maybe he'll throw it away in another three months. Let's give him a good six months to get rid of the bathrobe, but he probably just can't manage it yet. It's too big. Yeah, that makes sense. I was gathering from Keith, though, that he was kind of grossed out. Keith's fancy. Keith wears a smoking jacket, not a bathrobe. I know, and probably very nice slippers. Stubbs and Wooten. Very nice slippers, very nice smoking jacket. They are dry cleaned only. Velvet, yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. So he, Brad gives Nash the black bathrobe. It still has blood on it. They decide they're going to run some tests and Brad will be in touch. You know, don't go anywhere. Can I bring up a point really quick? Yeah. If Brad was guilty of killing his wife, he definitely would have thrown away the bathrobe. Unless he was sure that since it had been ruled a homicide officially, it's not going to be Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's already been ruled a a suicide. So then why was he keeping it? I don't know. Because he wouldn't have been sentimental. No. Because he killed her. Okay, I'm just saying. The fact that he had the bathrobe. I think in either way, he just hasn't dealt with it yet. Right. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't think he's keeping it as a token or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So then a sheriff goes to... Dale Potter's pawn and gun shop. And we get the best conversation almost of any Dateline ever. Maybe. It's so good. And why is it not on camera? Why were there not video cameras in the pawn shop with audio? 
so we could see this glorious interaction. I really like him telling it, though, because it probably wasn't as good as he's telling it. So I'm happy with the story we're hearing. Yeah. So first, a sheriff goes into Dale's office and says, I'm here to seize the Jennings gun. And he's like, wow, he forgot it. He had it in the safe. So he gives it to him. A few weeks later, a guy in khakis and a T-shirt saying he's a sergeant with the highway patrol comes in and he says he's investigating the murder of Brad's wife. And Dale says, what are you talking about murder? It was in the paper. It was suicide. Like the paper won't lie. Are you telling me the paper is lying to me? It's in the Buffalo reflex. Reflex. You know, the BR said that it was suicide. The BR doesn't tell fibs, mister. Poinkin straight up poinketed out that this was a suicide. <laughs> also, you know that Dale is kicking anyone wearing khakis out of his gun shop. I just have a feeling that he doesn't like people in khakis. That's not proper attire for his gun shop. What if the khakis were paired with something else, like a paint splattered something? Mm, then he might allow it. Okay. Yeah. Some people buy khakis and wear them for 30 years. Yeah. A 26-year-old pair of khakis, you can wear those into the gun and pawn. He might have a sign that says, no shoes, no shirt, no khakis, no service. He might. So we know that Lisa was having an affair. And Dale says, well, that's news to me. Brad never said anything about it. And the sergeant says, and we can prove it. And Dale says, well, that explains a lot. And the sergeant says, you mean why he killed her? And Dale says, no, why she did this. Something about the affair pushed her over the edge. So right now you have these two men who just met and hate each other for no reason. They just instantly. Passionately. Want to rip each other's throats out. Pat with the fire of a thousand suns hate each other. In front of a wall of guns. Wall of guns. And you know the sergeant has a gun. And probably many a fancy knife in the case. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know Dale has got stuff taped under the counter in case someone comes in to rob him. Yes. I think he has like throwing stars, bear spray, all sorts of stuff under there. I'm picturing a scene very much where the cop takes the safety off the gun in a very unconspicuous way. And Dale's just got one hand reached down. Yeah. The button. Yeah. With the button to whatever launch missiles or whatever he's got under there. So police tell him, the sergeant guy goes, it's a murder investigation. Oh, my God. And Dale's like. She killed herself. And don't you know that Lisa's dad had killed himself? Like trying to say this is a family pattern. And the sergeant goes, you're full of crap. Her dad's alive and lives in Wendyville. And Dale says, no, you're full of crap. You're full of crap. Her stepdad's alive and lives in Wendyville. Her dad killed himself years ago in Kansas. Do your research. He didn't say that, but yeah. <laughs> Do we think Dale really said this? No, you're full of crap. Please, just all the baby Jesuses want that to have happened. 
I love it so much and they hate each other, but maybe they'd become friends and start like a detective agency later on. Absolutely not. They are mortal enemies to the end. (laughs) Till the death. Except that Dale Potter's kind to his wife and tips his hat because the sheriff dies first and Dale Potter goes to the funeral and he jokes with his friends, you know, just to make sure he's really going in the ground. He makes jokes like that. But then at the funeral, he's very respectful, maybe sheds a tear because somebody sings Danny Boy and then tips his hat to his wife at the funeral, Uh (laughs) ma'am. Ma'am, we didn't always get along, but he was a stand up guy but he died with his khakis on and just walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, that's what happened. So seven months after the shooting, Brad is arrested. Dale's response is, well, that was the worst mistake I've ever heard of. He's not happy. Dale's a true friend. He is. I'm not mad at Dale Potter. No, I love him. The family is now taking sides and splitting apart. Like we said, Lisa's sister, Sean, and daughter Lacey are on one side. And grandma. Grandma's on some side. Who's grandma? They mentioned grandma. Grandma is on the side of Brad. She believes Brad. She's on the side of Marsha and the other two children, Amanda and Dallas. But I'm assuming that's Brad's mom, not Lisa's mom. Brad's mom. Lisa's mom, we're not sure about. But the family is fractured. Then, okay, back to Paul. Brad's brother-in-law, Paul. In the camo shirt, in the shiny camo. Yes, so you're thinking, okay, he's related to Brad. Then they say, who is married to Lisa's other sister? They're calling him Brad's brother-in-law, Maybe because Lisa's not alive anymore? No, it is. It's his brother-in-law regardless of who he's married to. But I get where the confusion would be. Yes. Brad's brother-in-law who is married to Lisa's other sister. Whose name we don't get. So he is technically Lisa's sister-in-law this whole time, even though they first said Brad and Lisa's brother-in-law. So it's Lisa's other sister, not Sean. There's another sister roaming around. Paul is her husband. Yeah. And he's the only one that agreed to come on Dateline? From Lisa's family? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Besides her kids. Besides, yes, of course. He meets with the police and he asks the one guy, he says, have you ever been wrong? Because if you're wrong here, you're about to mess up a lot of people's lives. And the investigator says, I've never been wrong. And Keith repeats, never been wrong? And Paul repeats, never been wrong. They do the three thing, the three Pete that I like so much. Although I feel like I might just go, what did I just say, Keith? Why did you not hear me? But I do enjoy it when they do the repeating, usually Dennis. No, Keith knows how to do it with. Keith is doing it. You're a fast talker. Paul is the definition of a slow talker. His voice is low, slow, and froggy. He's got a froggy voice. So if he's talking like that, Keith knows he can do the the three-peat effectively. Keith is a professional. Yeah, he is. And then he puts a button on the whole conversation by saying, would this happen to be investigator Dan Nash? Like he's infamous at this point. Bear in mind, the Dateline audience has not really even barely heard of him, but he's already saying it like, oh, shoot. Was this 
investigator Dan Nash. And Paul says, it was. Okay. Oh, boy. Foreshadowing. Dan Nash sounds like he should be famous, though. Yeah. Okay. Brad posts a million-dollar bond, and his attorney says to him and Marsha, don't worry, this is not going to go to trial. It absolutely cannot go to trial. It goes to trial. And this is the start of Sister Marsha's deep hatred of the defense attorney. Whose name was what? Mr. Destiny? No, it is Mr. Daryl Deputy. That's where I kept getting confused. That sounds like a cartoon. Marsha keeps saying Mr. Deputy. Like she's saying it with such disdain and she's not calling him Daryl. She's calling him Mr. Deputy. It's such a slight for some reason. I don't know how or why, but it is. It's a middle finger. I would not want to be on Marsha's bad side. Marsha's really organized. She could organize me under the table. I'd be done. Absolutely. And not just you. I mean, all of us. But specifically me, for sure. I'm scared of her. So the prosecutors at the trial start by saying terrible things about Brad. And Marsha is upset because Mr. Deputy isn't objecting at all. So she wants to stand up and object. She's like, what am I paying this guy for? He deserves none of your money. This is upsetting. The prosecutor says, Brad could have washed his hands to get rid of the gunshot residue. Okay, that doesn't explain how it's on Lisa's hand, but okay. Cool. Investigator Nash testifies as the blood spatter evidence expert. More on that later. Okay, cool. Brad's robe had blood on it, but her hand only had one dot, which seems to imply to them that he was a lot closer to her when she shot herself. Or it could mean that he was outside and he came inside and he picked her up or held her and the blood got on him, which he says he did. Didn't Amanda say she came in the room and he was by her body? Right. Okay. Why would Brad kill her? Lisa was trying to improve her life and move on. She did maybe want a divorce. She had also had plastic surgery and bought a lot of new clothes. She was really trying to like reinvent herself and someone in that state they don't believe would want to kill themselves. What plastic surgery? It's a great question. I don't know. She was beautiful in all the photos. I don't know. A facelift? Did she have Botox and they're calling it plastic surgery? That's what I wanted to know. It could be. It's possible. It's possible. Because there's a big difference between Botox and breast implants. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So no one in the trial brought up that her father had killed himself or that she had tried once in high school. Wow. I don't know if the father situation is totally relevant, but her trying to before is should have been brought up. Isn't the father thing kind of important? It is important, but it could also, I guess it could go other way. I think to have all the information, yes, the jury should have all the information. So they don't bring up that she was having an affair. No one does. I kind of felt like the defense should have brought that up. No, but then that makes her, that kind of gives him a motive. So maybe the prosecutor should have brought it up. It's just odd that no one brings up any of these things. It seems like a very strange, very short trial. They should have brought up the affair for a reason we find out later. Yeah. 
So the defense attorney brings up that they hadn't tested the bathrobe for gunshot residue. And if they had tested it and it had shown gunshot residue, that would have proved he did it. If it didn't, that would have shown that he didn't do it. It would have proved it once and for all. And Keith says, now that was interesting, as if he's bored by all of the rest of it. But that he finds interesting. So the defense attorney brings this up, but it doesn't seem to like land with the jury that they didn't test this gunshot residue. He is found guilty by the jury and he's allowed to go home one more night because unsure this is such a small town. Keith says only here would this happen. Yeah. So I feel like we've seen it before and it has gone very badly. The person has killed themselves. I feel like I've seen it in a movie or tried to flee town or something. Yeah. So he's allowed to go home. He has Marsha drive him back to turn himself in the next day. And Keith says to Marsha, didn't you just want to flee to Mexico with your brother? And she says, no, that's not who we are. I loved that. But I was picturing a little Bonnie and Clyde brother and sister in Mexico. That's not who they are. But that's not who they are. I would not want to flee to Mexico with my brother. We would just fight the whole time. It would be miserable. The Jenkins are good stock. Yeah, they are. It's not who they are. Brad gets 25 years. And sadly, he gets the 25 years on Dallas's first day of high school. And Dallas and Amanda firmly think that their dad is innocent. So does Marsha, dedicated sister. Keith says he has two kids to take care of. He had a house and a farm and bills. And he has this huge problem of being convicted of murder, which I thought was really funny the way he says it. And this huge problem, like his roof is leaking and needs to be repaired, but also the murder conviction. So Marsha gets a better paying job. Wow. Which is incredible. She's a nurse to keep up with all of Brad's bills. She is a really good sister. She has to travel a ton for her new job. She travels most of the week. And then she has a couple days off to see her own children and go visit Brad in prison and try to get the lawyers to get him out of jail. She has her own children? I think so. Yeah. Is that what she said? Oh, I thought she said to see Brad's children. Keith said the kids. I think they may have meant Brad's kids. Maybe they meant Brad's kids. But I think that what is happening is I was concerned. I was like, who is Dallas staying with? But I think grandma came to live at the farm. And so I think that Marsha's kind of handling everything and grandma's just filling in for Brad. Mm, mm-hmm. The whole family came to, well, part of the family came together. That whole side came together. Brad's whole side rallied and yeah made sure those kids were going to get through high school. Marsha feels like Brad had inadequate counsel, but that appeal fails. The judge felt like Mr. Deputy did fine. I wouldn't hire Mr. Deputy to plan my wedding, let alone get me off of a murder charge. He sounds terrible. Planning a wedding is really, really hard. It takes a lot of work, but you know what? There are some things that can definitely make it easier. When it comes to weddings, there are moments you are always going to remember. And it's not just always about, you know, when you're walking down the aisle or cutting the cake. There are a million little moments that really stick with you. And those are the things that you want to remember the most. Like when your maid of honor busts into a nail salon on the day of your wedding because you just could not get to the nail salon and you have four old acrylic nails that are about to fall off your hands on the night you're getting married. 
busts in and says, we have a bride. We have a bride. (laughs) And basically makes everyone stop working to focus on her best friend. That's what I did. You did. In a boot, no less. She busts in hobbling forward on a boot at the top of her lungs. We have a bride. I will never forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Weddings are wonderful for reasons like that and so many others. You get to celebrate old traditions that have happened in your family. You get to make new traditions with your new joint family and you get to see all your friends. It's just a great, it's a great moment. But in all of these moments that you have at your wedding and leading up to it, there's one really important thing to remember. Zola. Whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start preparing. They've got your back for all your wedding needs. That's why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. Are you looking for a wedding venue, maybe? Do you want an amazing gift registry? These are the kinds of things that Zola can offer. Zola will give you personalized recommendations on venues. And as far as a gift registry, from if you want all of the cookware to just you want all the cash. You know what I'm talking about. Zola can help. Zola can also help you create amazing save the dates, invitations, a wedding website, which is a much bigger pain than you think it is until you have to go do it. Also, all of these things cost money. Weddings can be expensive, but planning with Zola never is. All of their planning tools are completely free to use, like a free wedding website that's home to your gift registry, which also, by the way, the gift registry comes with free shipping and returns. It's like a one-stop shop for your guests. And Zola's not just free, it's risk-free. You can get free personalized samples of the invitations you choose, so you can try them out, get a feel for them before you buy, make sure they're what you want, and of course, free envelopes and guest addressing. So whatever your style or budget, Zola has you covered You can think less about the million things that you have to do to get ready for this day and more about those million moments leading up and during that you will always want to remember. If you're planning a wedding, here's my tip. Start with Zola. Go to Zola.com slash date dateline today and use promo code SAVE50 for 50% off your save the dates. Every bit counts and this is a huge bit. So Go to Zola.com. It's the one place to start for your wedding day. Zola.com slash date dateline code save 50. Excellent. I'm going to use it when I marry Ginger, my neighbor's dog, because we're in love. Excellent. I'll be there. I will help, but you honestly won't need my help with Zola. So there's that. I won't, but I am only accepting cash gifts. (laughs) Thank you so much, Zola. Everyone in this episode, I feel like could use some therapy. Yeah, there's some stuff. We have a marriage that runs so hot and cold that a stocking stuffer is a $3,500 diamond ring. We have Dale, who's having a heated, life-altering disagreement with a sergeant in khakis that he just met. There's so many things going on, and you have a family that's torn apart. BetterHelp can provide you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. You can start communicating with the therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. So many people are using BetterHelp that they've recruited additional counselors in all 50 states. States like Missouri, which is where this episode takes place, and I can totally find it on a map. Missouri. Yep. It is Missouri. Yep. Totally can find it on a map. But you know what? Just because you're in Missouri with better help, it means you won't be in misery. misery. 
Are you trying to steal my depression de bears? Because that's pretty good. Kimberly, I'm trying to catch up. I'm not trying to steal. I'm trying to get to your level. I like it. BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of things like depression, anxiety, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus issues, marriage problems. Hello, every dateline ever. BetterHelp is easy. It's confidential. It's affordable. Contact them today to start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dateline. Because maybe in 2022, you could try some better help. There we go. She had to prompt me, guys. That's how not with it I am. I was just trying to spice it up. We only get one New Year's episode, so we got to bring it up a hundred times. It's a new year. Yeah. And the holidays are stressful, guys. Check out BetterHelp. Make 2022 a brand new you. You didn't need me at all. That's great. (laughs) I basically just copied what I said before. It's fine. Thank you, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. So Marsha hires better lawyers, but they ignored her. She couldn't even get them to return her phone calls. And Keith says, did they send you a bill? And she says, absolutely. And that's infuriating. And wow, this goes on for years. Poor Marsha is like burning the candle at both ends and doing everything, and she can't even get a call back from the people she's paying money to. So she finds an investigator, Dwight McNeil, which makes me think a little bit of Dwight Schrute when he was a volunteer sheriff's deputy. A little bit, yeah. And when he was on that neighborhood watch. Nights of the night. Nights of the night. (laughs) So her new lawyers say, don't call him, but she does List, she's she's like, there. I need someone to talk to me. You guys won't even answer my calls. I'm calling this investigator. So she calls and he answers the phone and she starts crying basically because someone answered her phone call and she's so sick of being ignored. She's not going to be ignored, Dwight. I'm not going to be ignored. So Dwight is a former sheriff and he's used to putting people away, not getting them free. But he agrees to meet with Marsha. He basically says, I'll meet with you. But you know what? If I find out that he's guilty and I agree with the verdict, I'm going to make sure he never gets out. Oof, tough guy. And she's like, "Okay, fair enough. I believe that strongly in his innocence. So he looks at the file and thinks something isn't right. The fact that they didn't test the bathrobe for GSR just doesn't make sense to him. He says there is no way that they would not have tested for GSR. Yeah, they took it. They took the bathrobe. I mean, you're looking for blood and GSR, period. Exactly. Yeah. He asked for copies of all the tests. They send him everything. There's no GSR test on the bathrobe. So Dwight has this lawyer partner that works with him, Lindsay Phoenix. Love that name. Yes. Sounds like an Olympic skier. I'm thinking of Lindsay Vaughn, who asked for all of the reports. And they sent her every test except the one she's looking for. They're just like playing games. It, feel, it kind of feels like at this point. Straight up. That's what, it, that's what it seems like. She keeps asking. They're not giving her what she wants. So she goes in person to the office and says, I want to examine every piece of evidence you have. Every test, everything. She brings in like hidden cameras and recorders, but she's trying to act all casual. Like she doesn't suspect anything. But she's also scared a piece of evidence could 
disappear after she finds it. So she wants to make sure she gets everything on camera. Yeah. She finds two canisters and in them something labeled GSR robe. So she's like, it was there. She texts Dwight jackpot, but she's acting to the people in the office like, okay, (laughs) no big deal. And now she has to go through all the rest of the evidence, even though she's already found what she's looking for because she can't let them know she's found anything exciting. I loved that part. I thought that was so interesting. Very good. I thought that was very good investigative work. So she forces them to find the results of this GSR test. And they go back and forth a few times. And she's like, give me the GSR results. I know you took them. I have pictures. She tells them at some point. So they finally do. There was a GSR test. And there was, surprise, no GSR on Brad's robe. So Detective Nash, they believe, hadn't given these results to the defense team. Brady. I'm pretty sure he used to work for Manitowoc County. He says, oh, I never received those GSR tests. And Lindsay and Dwight are like, nope, you specifically asked for those tests. It's inconceivable that an investigator would not keep saying, where are those GSR tests? Where's the GSR test in the bathrobe that I went and collected? Like, it would be one of the main things you were looking for. So there's no way he didn't see it. Right. Dwight talks to a retired judge who says Nash is basically a liar, liar, pants on fire under oath and is just known to be bad and not trustworthy. And he talks to a few other court clerks who say the exact same thing. Nash had testified, you'll remember, as the blood spatter evidence expert, even though, guess what? He's never taken a class in basic blood stain analysis. <sighs> After the trial, he starts taking some courses. No. Yeah. He took a four-hour course, right? A four-hour course? Online at Phoenix Community College, College of the Phoenix No shame. It was more like one of those tests online that says, do you have an IQ of 180? Take this test now. You can't even take those tests because it's a thousand ads. (laughs) It makes you click on them on accident. (laughs) I hate stuff like that. I don't know how you get to testify unless you have an accreditation as an expert in something like that. Would you just be allowed to testify because you're kind of a famous investigator around the town? How did Mr. Deputy not notice this or look into this. Was he being paid by Nash? Was he scared of Nash? Seriously, what is happening? So Dwight finds some big experts, way bigger than Nash, because Nash is not an expert. He's just taken a four-hour course. He finds some like actual world-class experts, and they separately say that the evidence points to suicide and that they don't agree with Nash's findings at all. So Brad has been in jail for eight and a half years at this point. He missed Denver growing up and getting married and having a kid. It's very sad. So Marsha finds a father-daughter lawyer team who want to help. I love a father-daughter lawyer team. That's pretty cute. This father-daughter lawyer team is incredible. Yeah. So they think that the defense attorney, Mr. Deputy, is one of the worst that they've ever seen. The dad specifically says in like his 38 years, he's never seen such ineffective counsel. He's just terrible. Nash 
clearly hid evidence or on the other hand, it's like gross incompetence, total negligence. Either way, it is a Brady violation. So they shoot for the moon. They go for a habeas petition and they say this evidence would have changed the verdict. Now, normally one of these petitions never goes anywhere, but in this case, they are given a hearing and they have people that testify that Nash is super a shady shadester, shouldn't be trusted. And the prosecution, of course, is saying we didn't make a mistake because prosecutors never make mistakes. It's so frustrating. They never admit that they have made a mistake so rarely. And they say, no, Brad's guilty. We totally did everything by the book. And conveniently, none of the people in the DA's office come on Dateline to defend themselves, including Nash, including Nash. None of them. No one. Yeah, but you all didn't make a mistake. Right. You're just busy that day, that week, that month, that year. Got it. Yeah. Brad's conviction is overturned and he's set free. And when he's let go, his son, Dallas, drives him home. And this is the first time he's ever seen Dallas drive because he was that young. Dallas, who now has a baby and is married. It's crazy. Brad appears on Dateline. He says Lisa was crying that night on Christmas Eve, but she wouldn't say why. He finds out much later Lisa was having an affair with her boss And he had broken up with her and fired her. And this is like all we hear about it on Dateline, which I felt could have been a whole nother story. What happened was she's sitting at the computer. She gets the email and she's crying at the computer. And that's the moment that he chooses to go to the stocking. And so he's obviously like, why is she crying? And she won't tell him, won't tell him. So it becomes a fight about like her being not, emotionally available. Why are you keeping secrets from, why are you holding this in? Why won't you tell me what's wrong? Let me help you. You can see how this can start a fight. If somebody is crying and consistently not telling the other person why they're crying, that's going to turn into a fight. Yeah. So it makes so much sense at the very end of the episode. Yeah. (laughs) Also, in the first trial, you're telling me the defense attorney did not bring up this affair and any of this stuff. He should have had the guy she was having an affair with on the stand. He should have had her boss on the stand. Saying, I just broke up with her and fired her. And I did it over email because she was unstable and I felt this and that. You know what I'm saying? There's all of these things that you could have done. And instead you gave the jury nothing. Mm -hmm. That's another reason why Mr. Deputy is Mr. Poop. He's horrible. Mr. Poopity, Mr. Turd D-U-D. Deputy Dip Blank. Yeah. Fill in the blank. So he doesn't even know where this guy is now. He doesn't, it, Brad doesn't know anything about him. And the state announces they won't retry Brad. That's as close as they'll say to we made a mistake as we're going to get. Did you notice anything in Brad's interview, by the way? He's kind of a non-talker. I'm also wondering if part of his problem with Deputy Dip Blank was because Mr. Deputy maybe didn't ask the right kind of questions to talk to a non-talker, which is part of his job. If Brad is just Brad and he's innocent, he's just going to kind of not give you all the information, right? It seems like he's that kind of a guy, just not really, you know, him and Dale Potter probably do a lot of leaning back in chairs going, yep, yep, 
Yep. A lot of King of the Hill, King of the Hilling it. So I just, I felt like that was also something that just struck me in his interview. I was like, oh, so the deputy didn't even dig with him. That attorney didn't even try. Oh, it's so frustrating. Sorry. And I feel like a lot of guys in Missouri are probably like that. And he should be used to talking to people like that. Mr. Deputy was going through something. It doesn't matter, but like maybe you should tell Dateline what it is so that we're not all judging you harshly, which is what's happening now. (laughs) Right. So Lisa's sister and oldest daughter still think Brad did it. And then we finally see a photo of Lacey where she's smiling. And it's like, why didn't you show that photo this whole time? Was that shade. Yeah. They really let the photographs tell the story, though. Dateline does. Yeah. It's a good editorial technique is they really show the unhappy photos and it really tells the story. It does. Lisa's sister, Sean, looks like an 80s bombshell smoking a cigarette in her photos, like Tawny Katane, like a blonde Tawny Katane or something. It's seriously like Madonna, who's that girl? No, desperately seeking Susan, Rosanna Arquette. Yes, desperately seeking Susan. This bleached out hair. I, I feel like she's wearing a jean jacket with the collar popped. She's probably not, but like it's it's akin to that with a cigarette. That vibe. Yeah, she has collar popped energy. Yeah. Very cool lipstick on. She's just cool looking, which immediately led me to the question, how did she get Dan Nash interested in this case? Was she being a bad girl? Is she a bad girl? Oh, was she being a background? Not saying she did anything, but was he interested in trying to get her interested? Mm-hmm. Did he work on the case because he thought she was pretty? Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't put anything past Dan Nash, who now is infamous if he wasn't before. Yeah, now he's in trouble. Now it's the wrong kind. Yeah. Brad is still fixing up cars. His Chevelle that he loves that we still don't really know what that is. He drives off into the sunset in his car. And it's a beautiful shot. It's cute. Yeah. This episode is dedicated to Leah D and Shelby K. (gasps) Our last two of 2021. I have one thing to say. Leah, give Shelby the juice. That was Nancy Grace telling you that. Why am I saying it like Nancy Grace? No, it's Malin. Sally Field. Drink it, Shelby, Shelby. Juice is better. Juice is better. Leah, you're in charge. I hate to put that burden on you, but your partner in crime in this podcast Patreon dedication is named Shelby. There's nothing more we could do. I date with Dateline, bringing friendships together since 2018. <laughs> we started in 17. It's not 2018? 17. We started in 17. 17. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you haven't told a friend about our podcast, please do. But thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you so much. We can't thank all of our Patreons enough. You guys are really what makes this podcast run. And if you haven't joined, consider it for the next year or consider it this month because our Patreon episode on the fruitcake fraud is stupendous. So, well, the story is stupendous. I'm not tooting our horn. I'm just saying it's a good story. I will. And Kimberly tells it well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Leah, Shelby, you rock. I also want to give a quick shout out to a listener named Paola who made a spreadsheet, an epic spreadsheet that Grace 
put on our website, adaywithdateline.com. She put all of our episodes in a chart with if they're available on NBC or Peacock and Dateline's corresponding episode, the whole thing. It's just like a really epic chart for all of our hundreds of episodes. So much work. Paula, thank you. Like, that's incredible. It's really sweet. And go to our website because we have a spreadsheet, Hitman scale spreadsheet. You can go on and enter stuff from when you're listening to an episode and you find out the cost of a Hitman in a certain state. Or we have like inside jokes. You can listen and add inside jokes. I don't even think Be Your Own Bugatti is on there. So get to crack it. You don't have to, just if you want to have fun. No pressure. A <laughs> little bit of pressure. No, no pressure. B-roll Bonanza, Water Tower, so many. Farm stuff. We got some cow B-roll. I love a cow B-roll. It's on our bingo cards. They have a bale of hay hooked onto the back of a truck, and then it kind of unfurls as the truck drives away, and then the cows just kind of chase it, eating the hay. It was really cute. That sounds delightful for a cow. It was so cute. We see Amanda petting a cat, which is always stands out because we rarely see cats on Dateline. We usually just see dogs. It's not just a cat. It's a very, very good kitty. That was a good cat because it was sitting in her lap doing the chin up. She was giving it a chin scritchy. That's a good cat because you know there's a bunch of people in the room and cameras and that cat is staying put. That's true. That's maybe why we don't see many cats on Dateline. They are under the couch. Yeah, because with all the cameras and equipment, yeah, absolutely they are. But also, Amanda doesn't only get seen with a cat. She's seen with one of my favorite doggies. A corgi. A very cute corgi. A black and orange one trotting along. Mm-hmm. Super cute. Calicorgi. Calicorgi. Calico corgis. He was a good little guy. And also, I bet he loves that farm because they like to run. So you know he's rustling up the cows and he's like a miniature of their size. If anyone wants any, they're feeling sad this holiday season, give a bing to Corgis in the Snow. There are hundreds of videos. Or Corgi Beach Day. And all the Corgis go down to the beach and everyone brings their Corgis and they meet each other. And it's just a lot of ridiculous Corgis in sand. But there's something about the snow because their legs are so short that they literally just fall into it, but they somehow keep powering through. It's also the same in the sand. That's why I'm saying it. (laughs) But no, I want to see corgis in snow because white emphasizes the corgi color. Like they're kind of sandy colors, some of them. So yeah, it's really cute. They kind of like burrow almost like gophers or something, but they also just run really fast. Like it's, it's fascinating. They're really funny. I really like them. Yeah, their ergonomics are very strange, but fascinating. It's why I like Bruce so much. Bruce is built like a corgi, straight up. (laughs) He just happens to be a cat. Anything else? Yeah, the reporter's desk. Okay. Poinkin? What's his name? Why can't I get it right? Poking around. Poking, yeah. Poking's desk. He's kept all the papers. God bless him. Every paper. All of his bylines? Just so many stacks of paper. Not newspapers, just papers. Just all the papers, I see assortments of papers and folders, some in folders, some in binder clips, some not. He's never switching over to a hard drive and scanning all those papers. Now, what is poking around about? Is it just gossip? Because it sounds like a gossip column. It does, but I feel like maybe he handles, well, I don't think there's a lot of murders, so I don't know if there's a ton of investigative stuff. So it's gossip. 
No, I bet it's, you know, when Tina is investigating on Bob's Burgers and she's like, the new study finds out that this school nurse's thermometer is off by two degrees. (laughs) (laughs) So the courtroom was really pretty. I don't know if you saw the inside, but it's one of those old ones. Had all the cherry wood. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like a movie set. Yeah. Let's do fashion police. So we should just talk about Amanda's bumpet and her adorable country girl style. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you want to be her? I really liked when he was released from jail and she was wearing a dress and cowboy boots. It was very cute. It was country pop star. I know. She also had really good hair. She did. She had a great bumpet. Which makes me think she's not wearing a bumpet and maybe she's really good with her rat tail comb. Yeah, she might not have been. I think she's good because I saw her from the back in the courtroom and it looks like it was just teased to get it high. It looked good. I wonder if she does hair. And then, yeah, I had Sister Sean with a cigarette like a bad girl. Alternate theories. Santa. I gotta say, every time it's a Christmas Eve. That dirty, rotten scoundrel. Yeah. Could he have come in to... Ho, ho, who done it? <laughs> Ho, ho, homicide. All right, I'm done. That's it. Came down the chimney to put presents there. She thought it was an intruder. Tackled him with her gun. And then it went off. It's right there. And instead of a bathrobe, it was that red fur coat thing that he wears. I was so happy, by the way, to see how happily adjusted Amanda and Dallas seem to be. This is, must be a really rough minute for them, right? Yeah, for holidays. Absolutely. Like just period. There's two options here. One is bad and one is real bad. They're both bad. There's no relief. I feel really terrible for them. Do you think there's any possible way that Lacey? Well, they they thought it enough to go and test her hands. Yeah, they did. So I guess it's not offensive that I have questions. We are so tarnished by that picture that Dateline keeps showing because it really says a million things in that picture. It really does. Like an angsty girl that doesn't feel like her stepdad loves her as much as he loves his other children, which I really don't feel like is the case. But that's what that picture says. For sure. But I don't think that's the case. And she was fighting with the mom that night also. Because also Amanda's three years younger than Lacey. Mm Mm-hmm. So that would mean that Brad came into the picture when Lacey was three years old. And for all intents and purposes, Brad is her dad. I'm not sure what's happening there, but I don't like it. Let's do titles. I had a good one, but you didn't say it. And I forgot to say it again in the episode. Say it now. It's fine. Nothing. I loved the father-daughter team, the lawyer, and they say that they were salt of the earth people. Actually, you might have said it. I don't know if I said salt of the earth verbatim. Oh, he said that he was real salt of the earth. So I did salt of the earth, salt from the eyes because I was crying. And then salt of the earth, residue of an affair. I thought that sounded good. Yeah, it does sound good. Do you have any good ones? Crack the case. Oh, a crack in the case. There we go. Crack is whack. Could you get off crack? Your crack is filled with crap. I don't know what I was going with that. I shot the sheriff, but I wish I had shot Mr. Deputy. There we go. Nash burned bridges. Oh, there we go. That's really good. Instead of Nash bridges. Thank you. Bathrobe cloaks the truth. 
from slamming doors to slamming jail cells. Wow. Not really a title, but that's what I did. That is incredible. Look at you ending it on such a high. And I'm upset that neither of us did one for Dale Potter. Yeah. We couldn't do it. Something about Harry Potter magic. No, just more about his guns and his pawning. He reminds me of Dale from King of the Hill, to be honest, but with more facial hair. Dale was president of his gun club. (gasps) And this Dale owns a gun store. I feel like they might also be mortal enemies, though. Too similar. Too similar. They also both believe in conspiracies about the government, like that aliens killed Kennedy and such. Yeah, I could see that. But I could also see them having opposing views on what happened to Kennedy. Right. They're just that diehard. Like one of them believes one of the conspiracies and the other one firmly believes the other one. That it was Elvis Presley. Right. Right. They both believe theories, but they're different theories. And they both firmly believe those theories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm picturing a Thanksgiving dinner with the two of them. Guns would be drawn. Oh, yeah. Oh, like a turkey would get shot up for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, and or someone's just going outside to just sit in their truck and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. To cool off. I need, I need to cool down. <laughs> and just leaves and just sits in the car and listens to like, I don't know, maybe. Country music star. But I'm thinking like Patsy Cline. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Loudly in the truck so that they can hear it from where the dinner's being served. So it's passive aggressive. Yes, ruining their dinner so they can't even hear themselves talk. Yeah. And the same song on loop, on repeat. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> crazy. I want to meet Dale's wife so badly. She has to calm him down off a lot of ledges. God bless her. She went gray at like age 25 living with Dale. Dale's either been married seven times or one long-suffering wife. It's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's never been married. I can see that. Too. I don't think everyone in that town might get married. I have so many questions. If anyone lives in Missouri and wants to take a trip to Dale's gun and pawn shop to dig around, we would welcome that. Yeah, I hope Dale's still with us. I hope so, too. How old is this episode? No, it's only 2018. He's with us. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the pawn shop is good. I would like to know what is being pawned. Yeah, I have lots of questions. We didn't get to see any of the pawn part of the shop. No, just the guns. I think that it means that it's just weapons. It might be, yeah. I think it's just for killing. He did have like a nice family framed photo on the counter, though. He set up some sort of ambiance, but I couldn't tell if it was him and a wife. Was it him and his friend Brad? Oh, that would be nice, but I don't know. But he wouldn't have done that. His wife would have done that. Maybe him with a hound dog. Yeah. He's got at least one dog. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I like it. It's very good. We've nailed him. We did it. Thank you, everyone, so much for a fantastic year. Thank you, Kimberly, for a great recap. We really appreciate all of you for listening and sticking with us. It's going to be a great 2022. We're excited. Thank you so much. Be happy. Be safe. And we'll see you in two weeks. Yay. Woohoo. We'll be back. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Be your own Keithmas. Beautiful.